0: everybody ready? Let's get rolling.
1: This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
2: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Frank Dolce coming up here momentarily. want to remind you to join us, the big show, on Friday. We're going to be at the Warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. Prices so low, Gordon, it will blow your mind. Talk uh, to Frank about uh, his thoughts on what happened with Utah, about going to the Alamo Bowl, taking on Texas. Morgan Scally getting a contract. What, What are we calling that, an amendment? Whatever that's supposed to mean. That's what they called it. They were very nonspecific about that. Isn't that public information, Gordon? you got to get on Eventually, it. yeah. Eventually so. you'll be able to uh, mm-hmm. what, FOIA that thing? Yeah.
0: Yes, uh, and the f- interesting thing about that with Morgan is that it had just already been amended 10 months earlier. Well, yeah. I mean,
2: it's a hot commodity. So was the
0: First and Second Amendment.
2: Well, I mean, l- let's think about it this way. We just talked about these... Uh, what, are you making a constitution joke right there? He has the right to bear arms? Or? Yeah, what are you... Are you, are you just sne- And free speech? Did you just sneak in a hot take about guns? Did that just happen? No, no, no. no. Um, we were talking about these dreadful coaching hires in the Mountain West Conference. And, uh, I mean, how surprised would we be if, if either UNLV or Colorado State or New Mexico, for that matter you know, kick the tires on Morgan yeah, oh, to see, yeah, for see sure. where he's at about a potential, you know, head coaching opportunity. And the probably, nation's
0: best or second or third best defense? Come on. I mean, why wouldn't you, a 40-year-old, really intelligent guy, you'd be crazy not to talk with him.
2: Recruiter. Yeah. Uh, you know, has a has a history of, of being a really good recruiter. I mean, so I'm worked sure. Worked in sports radio for a while. I, he worked with a lemma. I mean. Hire that man. No, I, I'm sure he turned right around. He said, uh, you know, he probably told the, the Colorado State, said, hey, uh, I'm not sure if I'm interested. Let me get back to you. And then called Mark Harlow. No, we, said, got th-
0: we got this guy over here we're looking at. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> some guy who carries the official preppy handbook around with him. Yeah, some bozo from Boston College. I mean, I'm I'm sure there was some, some leverage there. And, and, of course, Utah wants to. To keep Morgan Scally around, we we know Morgan really well, as you alluded to. We worked with him at the, uh, in the at the radio station here at the Zone for a whole year, and it was a it was a blast. He's, I, he's got one of those electric personalities where, you know, you knew he was going to be as successful or whatever he chose to do.
0: It's not like this is is going to signify a great coach or a potential head coach, but I remember, and, and I I uh, referred to this in my column about Morgan. Uh, as the coach-in-waiting at Utah, but I remember when he was a player for the Utes and I saw him at a Ute basketball game and he was selling wristbands for charity, for various charities. This is a guy who has had life in perspective for a long, long time and he's a hell of a football coach. He was a great player and he knows how to communicate. He knows how to motivate He knows how to lead. He was a great leader for the Utes as a player. And when Ron McBride was fired, he was leading this uh, petition to be signed by a bunch of players saying, hey, no, save Ron McBride's job. And when Urban Meyer came in, he spotted the leadership guys right away. And
2: Morgan was at the top of that list. And he's been a leader ever since. Let's get out of the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get a Samsung S10 for $0 when you activate a new line of service with FlexLease now through December 26th. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, of course, our Ute insider here on the station, former Ute quarterback, longtime Ute broadcaster, Frank Dolce. What's up, Frank?
1: Hey, guys. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great week.
0: We are having a great week. And I'm going to ask you a question now, and you're going to wonder why am I asking you this? But we have to know. Do you shop at LL Bean? Do you order through the catalog? Do you uh, are you a J. Crew guy? We don't need to ask him this. Why are you saying we just need to ask him
1: this? This uh, isn't necessary because we were
0: talking about it earlier, and we wanted to know whether Frank is a preppy kind of guy.
1: That those aren't. Uh, I I don't frequent those publications.
2: Okay. All right. Now we know. What What is Frank Dolce's kind of vibe from a fashion standpoint? Uh,
1: mostly, uh, I would say mostly business casual uh, with slats and a button-down and a tie or a sweater. It's, it's kind of seasonal, you know. Uh, Allen Edmonds shoes or... I'm in golf-type apparel, or I'm in, uh, like, sweats for coaching, but not like Macho Libre sweats, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what what a soccer coach kind of sweats might look like in a hoodie, stuff like that. (laughs) Now, how would you
2: describe Gordon's vibe when it comes to fashion? Comfortable. It's a good word. You're just being yeah, nice. I, think I, I set you up like that, Frank, and you come to you no, as no. comfortable? It, 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 no, it works, Frank,
0: because I'm, I'm built for comfort, not for speed anyway. So, you know, yeah. it, it all comes together. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah I, you know, I think the way that, you know, that you see some guys, people who try to dress, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't, like there's a, mis, there's a mismatch between the way they're trying to dress and, and their actual persona. I think that's kind of funny to, to to see stuff like that so i I don't know I just try to dress but the way I feel is is comfortable and represents you know what, whatever i'm trying to 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 represent some some seriousness in the, in the in the business world, and in the world in general, I guess I don't know. Yeah. So so, um, so, and,
0: so, so what I'm taking away from what you're saying is match you, match who you are with your with your clothes. Don't try to mismatch because yeah. Would, that I would mean, could bad. you?
1: Could you imagine? Could, could you imagine? I mean, uh, could you imagine uh, Bill Belichick in a three piece suit? That doesn't <laughs> seem like it fits. Or in some skinny jeans and a.
2: Well, If he had a printed T-shirt, then I don't look, fit. that
1: doesn't fit. You know, something like that. So Bill Belichick looks like he should dress that way. That's so, how he acts. So, that looks how he dresses. Like he acts.
0: So Frank, speaking of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, the Utes against the Ducks looked awfully uncomfortable. What the heck happened there? From you? I opinion? don't know,
1: man. That was a weird. It just didn't unfold the way. A lot of us thought it would. And it, the, the, the thing that was most surprising to me is that Utah lost in the area of the field that I just didn't think it was capable of them losing. And, and that was right at the line of scrimmage, especially on the defensive side. There are several, there are several key indicators in that game. One is the, the rushing yardage that Utah gave up. Two, 239 yards. That's, that's crazy. That I just wouldn't expect Utah's defensive front seven to play that way. And, and they haven't demonstrated that they play that way all year long. So that was significantly surprising. That's an offensive line. Utah's offensive line only gave up a handful of sacks all year long. They gave up nine tackles for loss in that game. So another indicator, they're losing the battle at – at the line of scrimmage, and then and then the two Huntley turnovers are critical in a in a game where you have two opponents that are that are closely matched in, in terms of skill and and depth and talent and all of those things. So turnovers become even more impactful in in a game like that. So those three things I thought were were really interesting and probably tells the story a lot about that football game. there are other things Utah had zero success on fourth down and they and they they didn't really play the, the more conservative role that they played in years past in some of those scenarios. Tyler Huntley had 14 rushes in the game in, in ways that felt like he reverted back to Tyler Huntley of old and and in the games this year when when Huntley's uh, had over 10 rushes in a game. Uh, they've lost both of those games, so that's probably an indicator of something not going right. And and but but most of all, the, the most the most interesting part of that game, the, the part that I just didn't think would happen, is that Utah lost right at the line of, line of scrimmage.
2: Frank Dolce with us, ninety seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. Frank, what was your reaction to the Alamo Bowl in Texas?
1: Well, it's a little nothing against the Alamo Bowl and 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 that game because there have been years when when we've been clamoring to get into the Alamo Bowl so there's nothing against that game but you have to take the level of expectation and relative to you know the other possibilities and so if you compare the Alamo Bowl to college football playoff slash Rose Bowl that's where everybody was headed and then you say Alamo Bowl then it's a it, it's kind of a kick in the gut, and I, and I think a lot of us, a lot of Utah fans felt that way and feel that way. Now, I do like the matchup. I like Texas. I like the name. I like a program that is kind of getting back on track. Texas should be one of those teams. I feel the same way about USC and, and a few other college football teams. It just feels like Texas should be a representative in college football every year. And and they they lost their, they've lost their way a little bit and now they're starting to get it back so uh, I think this is a really compelling matchup it's a great matchup uh, I favor Utah at full strength and and I think the other interesting question about this game is you know what level will Utah be at full strength?
0: What do you think of the fact you, you talked about the Utes getting to the Rose Bowl and that was the expectation but. Had uh, had Oregon not played, uh, a, a di- hadn't lost that non-conference game uh, against Auburn, they're going to the Rose Bowl, even though they lost to Oregon. Is that not crazy to you?
1: Yeah, wouldn't that have been interesting? That had had Oregon beaten Arizona, which they should have. They should have beaten Arizona State. That's a game that I think they win nine times out of ten. They just got them on the wrong. They got them on the wrong night. Or not even play at so, Auburn. Yeah. You know, if they hadn't played at Auburn, yeah. then they're going to the playoff. Yeah, absolutely. A- absolutely. So isn't that an interesting – isn't that – I mean, it's just – the thinnest, it, it was like this, you know, the, the the rags to riches but the opposite way story for Utah. I mean, it everything was sitting right there. And, and there were lots of different scenarios that would have put Utah in the Rose Bowl um, or potentially in a college football playoff, and, and none of those things happened the right way. And so, man, feast or famine for the, for the Utes, and they, they end up dropping all the way out.
2: Frank, what's your read on the amendment on Morgan Scally's contract?
1: The amendment that says, inform me of this?
2: Uh it would the Utah just announced uh, Gordon how do they put it that there was an amendment to Morgan Scalley's contract that was going to keep him on the Ute coaching staff for a long time. A, long time. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot of a lot of people are reading yeah. and reading it as uh, maybe a coach in waiting type of thing.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I thought maybe maybe something uh, else came out differently that I wasn't aware of, but yeah, a- a- absolutely. No, no, he he's the he's the coach in waiting. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh and what you, you know, Gordon? I just heard you talking about Morgan Scally. You talk about you know kind of the stars aligning for for a guy, and 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 by the way, saying the stars aligning, I'm not taking anything away from what Morgan has done himself to prepare himself for this position. But but saying that the stars align, you know, he put he's in a situation with with Coach McBride, and then there's a changeover. And so he has great experience with coach McBride, who I still think of as the foundation of the Utah football program where we are today he's he's the you know he's the Godfather, and then you bring in and then you bring in the fixer in urban Meyer and Morgan Scalley had this incredible opportunity to learn leadership and preparation and how to win. At, at that at this level under one of the great coaches of all time for a couple years in, in Urban Meyer. I mean that's that that's that's pretty fortunate. That's pretty fortunate. Urban Meyer even wanted wanted Morgan to go to Florida with him. I mean that that's I don't think that's any secret. And then and then Morgan gets an opportunity to to jump in with Coach Whittingham and Gary Anderson and Kalani Sataki I mean, just those guys alone, those coaching resumes alone that Morgan Scally has been able to, to work under and work with and rise, rise through the ranks um, and now be in a position as the, kind of the second-in-command with a guy that I think got left off the best 150 coaches of all time list in, in Kyle Whittingham, that, to me that is a, that's a, an extremely fortunate set of circumstances that, that Morgan Scali has absolutely taken and run with and made the most of. So, yeah, no, no question, he's the, he, he's, the, he's the one that's been, you know, the, he has the, the golden touch. He's the one that's going to be next in line.
0: So, Frank, regardless of what happens against Texas in the Alamo Bowl, does the Ute program take a, a significant step backward next year?
1: I don't know about a significant step backward. I think we would be crazy to expect Utah to perform at the same level in terms of wins and losses. Just, just look at the defense alone, and you're talking about, you know, Botu, Anai, Johnson, um, Julian Blackman, um, it's just Francis Bernard that's not only half of your defense, but that's probably 80% of your defensive productivity. So I I don't know how, I don't know how you can replace that at that same level. So just on the defensive side, Utah is going to, they'll still play well and the scheme will be right and they'll be well prepared, but you know, talent, talent wins, talent wins in, in any league. So there's a tremendous loss of talent on that side of the ball. And then you go to the other side of the ball, you, you know, receivers and Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss. Again, you're losing lots of productivity on the offensive side of the ball. I feel better about the offensive side of the ball rebounding because I like the depth of talent at the running back position and as, as fantastic as Tyler Huntley has been this year, uh, I think there are a couple guys. It seems like Utah's getting a new transfer quarterback every week. There seems like there's a couple or a few guys that have the ability to step in and maintain the quarterback position, the productivity out of the quarterback position. So I feel better about the offensive side maintaining productivity than I do at the defensive side just because of the, the depth of talent that's leaving.
2: Frank, thank you very much, as always. We appreciate the insight.
1: Oh, you guys are fantastic. I'm glad we were able to catch up again. It seems like we took a week or two off, and I missed the Wednesday afternoon chat. So thank you. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks,
2: Frank. Thank you, Frank.
0: Frank Dolce. Are you an insider? If you're cameraizing, do you like the idea of having competition, have a, a, a grad transfer come in who is, uh, has a lot of playing time? I mean, do you scoff at that because, man, I'm a competitor, I know I'm good, and I know I'm good enough to lead this program, I'm going to be the guy? Or do you kind of go,
2: what are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm livid about it. But Utah and the coaching staff has him in a pretty awkward position because he can't <laughs> do anything about it. So. <laughs> They don't really care what his opinion is at this point. <laughs> livid, really? Because what do you what do you mean? You you care that much about him, huh? What about Cam Rising? That I'm livid? Yeah, No, no I'm saying he's that he's livid. If I thought I'm... I swear you said I'm livid about it. No, okay. no, 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 I no. said if you were Cam Rising. I see, I see, I see. Yeah, if I'm Cam Rising, I'm livid about it. It's like, wow, is this he's like your nephew or something? <laughs> because he can't. He basically can't transfer because you know. He's going to have to sit out another year. And he can't go to the NCAA and ask for a, a, you know a, a waiver and say, "Oh, well, they recruited over me." The NCAA <laughs> isn't going to listen to that. That's not a good enough reason. So to... and can he really afford to lose another year and start out at another program? Not really. So the Utes but aren't these guys used to competing for their position? uh sure, if you want to call it that, but listen this this Bradley kid is not transferring here to sit. I mean that's and, just and not he, the
0: case, and he got beat out uh at Texas, so he might be a little tender in that regard all
2: right so i mean yeah you can you can talk about how uh it's you gotta compete for it and all this sort of thing, and you can half heartedly maybe even mean it, but the truth is is that you look at the heartedly <laughs> mean it. you you look at the grad transfers around the rest of the country over the past couple of years and where they go they start because what kind of um nincompoop would go somewhere where they're going to sit you can hand pick your destination yeah but how about
0: the kicker from UCLA had handpicked Utah to come up here and kick and that he ended
2: up not being the cuz i don't cuz he was a, not a terrific kicker at UCLA either <laughs> and Utah was desperate <laughs> A different oh, type of, of grad transfer. but See, I, I think I was, he, that
0: can't be his attitude. He's got to be strong as a competitor and step into this and say, this is my job. I'm grabbing it by the throat. It is,
2: belongs to me. And I, uh, I was talking to PK about this last night at the Christmas party, right? And he brought up uh, Kendall Thompson, how Utah brought him in as a transfer, and he wasn't necessarily guaranteed the start. But I do think there's a difference between a grad transfer that has a track record and somebody who gets beat out for a job at a big program and decides to transfer. There is a difference there. you know.
0: Like, do you, are you suggesting that someone gave him a wink-wink and nod-nod that, uh, hey, you come here, you're going to play? 100%. Of course. What
2: do you think we're talking about here? Well, that seems like a dumb thing to do. Why? You need to land the guy. <laughs> Andy Ludwig isn't doing this because he thinks that Cam Rising is going to be all Pac-12 next year. So oh, he needs the player. the means. If he thought he had, uh, you know, Johnny football uh, waiting his turn, then then you think he'd be really recruiting over the top of him. I mean, there's a reason he's doing that. Hmm.
0: Well, that's that that wouldn't be good news for Cam Rising then.
2: Well, and especially not good news for Jason Shelley if but, he wants to be a quarterback. Yeah, man, that is an ugly scenario you just painted. How
0: so? Making promises to this grad transfer when you're sitting and waiting, and you've been waiting, and the NCAA made you wait longer.
2: I mean, that's college football, Gordon. I mean, that happens every day. Are you saying that recruiters lie? Well, it's not lying if you're actually going to give them the job. <laughs> which it would be my guess is what exactly what they're going to do. Oh, what about the competition? I think it's all just a facade.
0: Pretty much. The guy's not Joe Namath. Oh, well. Threw, what, 55 touchdown passes
2: and 32 interceptions or something like that? Yeah, but why would he go someplace he's not going to play? And why would Andy Ludwig recruit him if he wasn't going to play him?
0: I don't know. I don't know the answers to that.
2: Maybe it's insurance. (sighs) <sighs> that was funny alright uh, we'll have more coming up next stay tuned <laughs> well,
0: are you suggesting the Yankees aren't going to let Gary Cole throw the ball <sighs> Austin's a little upset because his Angels were supposedly the front runner for uh, Mr. Cole so you did it again well, uh, he just, no. he just uh, did it again. I did not. No, he just did it again. We know I'm stating a fact. I'm not saying, "Hey, Mr. Austin, Bulls. tough for you, you and your loser team." Yeah, the, the Nationals didn't you, get him either. You say with a smile on your face. No, enjoy this. Said, okay, we, we don't so have that, time to go down this I said road. that's no, not what I'm
2: doing. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 zone misery. Gordon needs to be a better show host. Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome back.
0: Alright, I'm having flashbacks to my younger days. An acid flashback? No. This is the most overplayed song in the history of radio. Stop it. Would you stop ruining things that I love like Three Dog Night? Would you knock it off, please? It it just was. What year did this song come out? I cannot. 1929. 1970, 71-ish? I cannot pick a band of the day without Gordon crapping all over it. It happens every single time. It, this, this—I'm not tell, I'm telling you, I lived through this, and I liked this song to begin, but then they played it 500 times a day. They ruined
2: it. I disagree. Well, you didn't live through it. Well, so what? I like the song You don't need to You know I I don't like I don't rag on Bonnie Tyler Or wherever you What concert you went to Last week That you like
0: Old Dominion Old Dominion is good Great band Great songwriters
2: Uh huh Okay
0: All right or was Sorry. it? I, I didn't and- say it was a bad song. I just said I got sick of it. Jeez, we just, all did. Everybody of my generation got sick of that song. Everybody, if somebody, I'm telling you. If Everybody, some, if somebody out there lived through that song, back me up on this. Okay,
2: whatever. Tweet at Jake or tweet at me because he he won't read it. Probably not. Um, all right, Gordon Jordan Love today announced. He's going to play in the bowl game for the Utah State Aggies, but he is going to the NFL. Not a big surprise. Not at all.
0: I wrote a column about it. We posted in the morning. It is a good move on his part. And I think we're past – are we past the days that people used to hold it against players for turning pro, quote-unquote, early? I think most fans get it now. I hope so because it's his dream. It's what he's worked for. There's nothing that he would do next year. That would be better than what he did not this year, but last year.
2: The only thing, this is why it's great for Jordan Love uh, to do it and the smart thing to do. The only thing he really did this year is open the door to some doubt. And somehow he's, I shouldn't say somehow, um, because I actually get it, but, and he's still a projected second round pick. And I saw the mock drive today that had him at the first round, and he didn't have a lot of talent around him. Well, all he can do next year, though, if he stayed in college, is confirm the struggles. Really, I mean, imagine if he had a bad year again next year. I mean, it would just be, you know, the 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 what you don't want to happen is you think you're draftable and you're not. But I still think Jordan, like who was the BYU quarterback that got bad advice from uh, from Mel Kuyper turned pro? Oh yeah, and uh, it was the it was the dude before Sarkeesian because he's the, he's the one that beat
0: Walsh Walsh. Yeah, I'll never forget. He beat Notre Dame back at Notre Dame, and he looked around at the media horde around him and said, "None of you will ever know what this feels like."
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, anyway, that guy got some bad advice, and then it ended up not getting drafted. But I don't, yeah. I don't think that that's Jordan Love. So did why he not? not get drafted? Or did he get drafted like in the seventh
0: round or something?
2: One or the other. I, I kind of think he. Didn't get drafted. We'd have to double check.
0: Man, Kuiper's been around a long time, hasn't he? Right, because that was when was it? Was that 90, 94?
2: I thought it was ninety five because then didn't Sark? When was Sark's? Was it night? It was uh, ninety no. yeah. six. Well, the draft was ninety six, and then Sark took over in the fall of ninety six for BYU when they had that season. Yeah, something like that.
0: Anyway. Uh, good move for Jordan Love, I, would think I so too. and I think Aggie fans should be happy for him. I don't think they would have felt that way had he transferred to Texas Tech.
2: No, no, that would that was then. That sort of a there's a little a more slap there uh, to the Aggies, and he's going back with his old coach. Yeah.
0: But his old coach, he had a better relationship with those guys. I, I, I can almost guarantee that had he gone to Texas Tech, he would have had a much better year next year than he did this year at utah state because he would have been coached up better
2: hmm. all right uh seventh round according to our crack research staff 213th yeah. that's what I, that's overall what I said. dang it Seven i was three. tuned out that's what i said i wasn't listening to you. john walsh
0: yeah. oh well it's a risk but you got to chase your dream at some point did you really just say that yeah,
2: I said seventh round. Didn't uh, you hear me okay, say it? He's no. a good boy, but he don't listen. Uh, obviously not. But you could be messing with me because you've got this smirk on I your said, face. I said round. That you round, get. That you get when you're messing with me. So, what? Huh? where are we? Uh, <laughs> Austin, have we man. gone to break? Uh, not sports. Poor, coming up next. Uh, then well, stay jaz- tuned. This one's gonna gross you out. Jazz really game night. Is. Pre-game show takes over at the top of the five o'clock <laughs> hour. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone.
1: This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Head coach of Weber State football, Jay Hill. Is it
0: something that you can use to go into kid's home with their family there and say, not only are we going to take care of you, but now we've been to this level of the playoffs three years in a row and beyond. I think everybody knows, if you just look at us, we're a legit top five team in the country for three years in a row now. And if you want to play for a contender, then this is a great place to obviously do it. And I believe we're still getting better where we've been a top five team now for three years in a row, we still got a big step to take forward, and hopefully it's this year to where we're more like a top
1: one or two team in the country. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.